0: Okay, we're live, we're live, we're live, we're live, we're live. Man, look, I what I should do today is I should come out with, to Pursuit of Happiness, right? Because uh, apparently Kid Cudi, he reached out to Joe Burrow, and I'm feeling like Burrow today, man. Call me Big Baby Burrow, you feel me? Because we're going to the Super Bowl, and by us, I mean this podcast is going to the Super Bowl because we're going to win a ring because we are champions around here. Not my sorry Falcons, you know, my right shoulder. They're not going to no Super Bowl. But I wanted to just, you know, embody Joe Big balls burrow in the podcast. So, hey, 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 it's the big baby, and I'm back. I love you, baby. I love you, baby. We balling, big baby. And we are balling, big baby. But you know what? Today's podcast is They are who we thought they were, you know. I'm sure y'all all all are familiar with this one. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. And that's the theme of this weekend, honestly. If If you take a look at the games that we watched, you know, the two games, they are who we thought they were. Patrick Mahomes was good early. He got comfortable. Started showboating a little bit. He got tight. Andy Reid, call plays. He can call plays with some of the best of them, but you know, he's willing to die on his sword. You know, if, if he's he's going to play Andy Reid football, even if the game dictates differently. Kyle Shanahan, can't win with a lead. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, when you need him most, he's not going to step up. Sean McVay really bright really brilliant but you know it's just, just just he's just not there yet he's not there yet great coach but you know there's just a little bit more to be desired but obviously we uh, no one's perfect matt stafford he's going to scare you at times but you know what he can still make the big throw he can make the fourth quarter comeback Joe burrow <laughs> come on baby you see the drip baby big baby burrow he does what he does. They are who we thought they were. And I think that's so important for us to just remember when we're analyzing football, when we're watching football. And, and bigger than football, you can apply it to your life. When people show you who they're going to be, believe them. Uh, you know, yes, people change. Yes, people grow. Yes, people develop. Yes, people mature. But at the end of the day, most of us have our core beliefs, And we're going to always fall back on our core beliefs because that's what we can rely on. That's what we can count on. That's what makes us comfortable. And we saw that all weekend. The things that people do when they get comfortable, it's what they did in those games. You know, when Joe Burrow's back is against the wall, he's comfortable. When Patrick Mahomes is comfortable, he like throws his back up against the wall. You know, but it was a great week of football, man, and I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. You know, coming off of the divisional round, which was absolutely amazing. It was the greatest week of football ever. It was nice to have, you know, two games go down to the wire, one game going to overtime, uh, and the other game, you know, being won at, at the very end. Man, it was a great week end of football, and I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. But let's get to our first true topic here, like oh yeah, we took notes now, take my glasses off so I can see you all. A head coach versus a play caller i i I think that coaching is very important in football, probably more so than any other sport. um, as you see in basketball, a great player can cover up the warts of so many uh holes in the team, right. In baseball, I mean, the manager is a pawn. A lot of the best teams in the league, they hardly pay their managers. And their front office does lineups. They do pitching changes. They do all of that stuff. So how much coaching really comes into effect. But in football, coaching counts, you know. And there's this trend That's happening in the NFL right now that we're falling in love with these offensive play callers. You know, if you just touch the hem of Sean McVay's garment, (laughs) you find yourself in a head coaching job. And maybe that's the right route to go, because guess who's in the Super Bowl? Sean McVay and one of his disciples, Zach Taylor, who had the number one seed in the. uh, In the NFC. LaFleur, a Sean McVay disciple who played against Sean McVay in the uh, National, uh, excuse me, the NFC Championship, Kyle Shanahan, somebody who Sean McVay learned from, who came from that Mike Shanahan tree. So maybe that is the right way to play football. But we're falling in love with these offensive play callers, and we want to make them head coaches. But you got to understand the law of dimin- of diminishing returns. And in the law of diminishing returns, it pretty much says that the more that you do, the less effective that you can be in other places, right? So if you are that offensive play caller and you're spending all of your time in-game calling plays, well, how are you managing the game? You know, because while the defense is on the field, when you should be, you know, managing the defense, uh, being aware of what they're doing, you're debriefing with the offense. You are getting ready for your next uh, drive. And it goes back and it goes into preparation. If you're spending your time in the offensive meeting room, and you're not in a defensive meeting room, you're not in the special teams meeting room, are you really being the best coach that you can be? Because if you are the play caller, that means you're running that offensive meeting. It's no way in hell that you can let your OC run that meeting and be confident that that OC is running the meeting in the way that you would like for it to be ran. Because at the end of the day, yeah, they may help you come up with a scheme, but you're calling the plays. So I'd assume that the play caller would be the one running the meeting. But what do I know? I'm just a big baby. And. How can you ensure that the game plans are aligned, right? Because I I was listening to Michael Lombardi today, and he was talking about the importance of complementary football. And he was talking about the one thing that Belichick does that a lot of coaches don't do, that a lot of coaches don't like, is he makes the coaches watch film together. So offense, defense, special teams, we're all in here together. So while we're developing this game plan, we're all on the same page. It seems like common sense to me, but when we outsource things, right, and we become so specialized, we go, okay, the offense is going to run itself. Got it. Okay, the defense runs itself. Okay, the special teams runs itself. That sounds good until you're in a game and all three phases of the game matter. Does the offensive phase of the game matter more? Absolutely. So should you have some of your best coaches coaching offense? I mean, I think so. I'd hope so. But again, that's not always the opportunity that you have based on what's available. But if you're in the play sheet, how can you manage the game? The coordinators are supposed to coordinate and the head coach is supposed to coach. And the head coach by coach, I mean, he should be managing all three facets of the game. So let your O.C. call his plays. If you don't, if you're not confident in your OC calling plays, then maybe you shouldn't be a head coach, and you should go back to being an OC. Or if you're a defensive coach and you're not comfortable with your DC calling plays, maybe you shouldn't be a head coach. You should be a DC. Because as the head coach, you should have your pulse on everything that's happening throughout that game, so you can make those decisions from 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 up top. Where yes, the OC may be. Knee deep in the offense, and he wants to call this play. And it's like, hey, look, I understand that you want to take the top off right now, but let's let's run the ball. Let's run the ball. But coach, we got like I, I know what you're saying, but our defense is playing really well right now, and let's just let's bleed some clock, or maybe our defense is playing poorly right now. So yes, this quick score. Would be great for us, but they just came off the field, man. It was a long drive. They're tired. Let's get them some rest, you know. Or in certain times, you'll see the defense, and and it happened in the uh, Buccaneers game, the Buccaneers Rams game, where um, DC uh, Todd Bowles decided to do a zero a zero blitz, and um, Bruce was like at the end of the game, Bruce Arians, the head coach, goes, We, um, yeah, we had a misstep. We had a misstep there, defense, whatever, whatever. Hey, Bruce, that's on you because you're the head coach. But if you were the actual head coach and not the offensive play caller, offensive coordinator, overseer, you would hop on the heads and say, hey, no, let's not do that. Let's have safety help over the top. Let's not give them something easy so they can uh, kick a field goal and walk us off. Because I think we get so caught up into picking these coaches who are specialists. But you got to understand that football is a three-aspect sport, right? There's three aspects of football. There's offense, there's defense, and there's special team. So as a head coach, you have to be able to properly manage all three phases. I think that's what makes Bill Belichick such a great coach because, yes, he's a defensive coach. Yes, he's a quote-unquote defensive play caller, but he manages the game. They play complementary football. They play to their strengths, and they play to other teams' weaknesses. And I think that's so important about coaching. Yes, we love the flash, and we love the sizzle. But at the end of the day, there are certain things that win in football. And making the correct decisions at the correct time is so important. And as football is evolving, it's starting to look more like baseball. We're starting to have these front officers who want to dictate how the game is played, how the plays are called, and what the coach is doing throughout the game. And coaching is important, man. There's a reason why we play the game. You know, Herm Edwards talk about you play to win the game. And although we want to be focused on the result, there is a process that goes into that. And you have to you have to accept that process. You have to be involved in that process, and you have to actually enjoy that process. Because if we go out here and we simulate football games, who cares? Don't we want to watch the game to enjoy each play, enjoy each drive, enjoy each quarter, enjoy each half? You know, that's part of it, and there's the reason why we play the games. It's because you can't simulate what's actually going to happen. Because there's this thing called the human aspect that's a part of the game, whether it's the coaching, whether it's the playing, whether it's the officiating. There is a human aspect to the game that analytics will never be able to cover. Analytics can't cover or account for a bad spot. Analytics can't account for a bad play call or a fumble or a bad read interception. Analytics can't, can't predict that. We get so caught up in the analytics and we forget about the human aspect, especially in the playoffs. Pressure busts pipes. Players can get tight and so do coaches. We saw it this weekend. Andy got tight. Pat got tight. Sean got tight. Cow got tight. Jimmy G was Jimmy G. Joe Burrow. <laughs> we big baby. Was Joe Burrow baby, you feel me? Big baby Burrow. Joe Burrow was himself. And there's no formula that you can put into your 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 computer into your spreadsheet to generate how those human factors are going to affect the game. Now, if you can tell me the analytic that measures it i'm I'm all here for it. Colin Cowherd talks about analytics because you got to care about the men out there playing That's the thing, but it's an unpredictable variable that you can't that you can't boil down to a science like tell me how you quantify momentum. Tell me how you can predict. Where momentum will come in. Where in your algorithm does it say that, okay, we we got a factor for momentum right here outside of the law of momentum and we're doing some physics or whatever I think that's physics, some physics problem. But we're not doing physics here. We're playing football. And think about it. Let's just, let's just look at what happened in the Chiefs and the Bengals game. Patrick got tight. Second quarter, going in the half, he dirts one pass. Then, instead of throwing it out of the back of the end zone with five seconds left, hopefully, you know, you give yourself a second to kick a field goal. You throw a bubble screen to Tyreek Hill. And I get that Tyreek Hill is a great athlete. He's great in space. But Zach Taylor said, hey, man, we were actually prepared for something like that. Because at this point in the season, who's really throwing curveballs out here? It's just, hey, throw your heat and see if they can hit it. And they were prepared for it, and they stopped it. Where you could have had three points right there going into the half and getting the ball back with great momentum, and you put the fork in them. You tried to get close And chopped their head off with a knife when you could have just took a carefully well-aimed shot and you would have been set up for the kill. You're up 21 to 3. You can't lose that game. Patrick Mahomes, you can't make that read. You can't be looking for a timeout, timeout, timeout like Brady did versus the Bears. You don't have any timeouts. And why didn't you have any timeouts? Because, oh yeah, you're First timeout was called when you challenged a spot and he called a timeout. So, even though the challenge, even though the play was overturned, they got the challenge right. He still lost the timeout because he called a timeout first. So, bad game management. He was who we thought he was, you know. Then Patrick took those bad sacks, especially on that last drive, man. You can't get sacked on on second down, man. You definitely can't lose 15, 15 yards and fumble the ball, and luckily you recovered it and go down, Patrick. You cannot do that because if you don't recover that fumble, you don't kick that field goal. The game is over. But that's who Patrick Mahomes has been. He's good when he's good, but when it's bad, boy, it gets ugly. He wouldn't take what the defense was giving him. The first half, oh, my God, he was he was lawless. I'm sitting there like, oh, there's no way in hell that the Bengals have a chance at this game because he's dicing them. He's slicing and dicing them, baby. Then what happens? He, wants, he gets comfortable. He wants to get cute. And... Like, oh, let's go for the jugular. Well, here's the thing about going for the jugular: if you miss, the counter is disgusting. And that guy across from you, he's not afraid of you like everybody else. He don't see you like everybody else does. He sees you as the mere mortal that you are. And then, I mean, just think about the 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 scouting report on Patrick Mahomes. Mechanics get sloppy. No throw looks the same. there's something to the consistency of Tom Brady. yeah, we love the arm talent. We love the no look pass, we love the the weird footwork and stuff like that until we don't, and that's one of the issues with Patrick Mahomes. He is so good at the extra that he does not always master the what we need right now. and Andy, oh Andy got tight. Andy got tight like Andy always gets tight. A bad timeout before the challenge. Not taking three at the half. Who cares if Patrick Wraith waves you off? You can't enable him. You have to bring out the best in him. He saw the best in me. Yeah, you got to see the best in him and say, N- no, timeout. Bucker, get out there. Give me three. Not running the ball. Jarek McKinnon was giving you like five a carry. Jarek McKinnon was killing. Second half, Why? why not, Andy? You'd rather lose your way than win the way the win the, with uh, what the defense gives you, Andy. You, and that's been your history. Your game management has been suspect. And, and Patrick Mahomes, I think he covered up some of that in your Super Bowl season. And the, and the weapons that you have make y'all good. But Andy and Patrick are a match made in heaven or hell. Depends on the day of the week. They are yin and yang. They are hot and cold. They are yes and no. They are in and out. They are up and down. That's what they are because when it's good, it don't get no better. But when it's bad, it goes to hell in a hand bath because both of them like to get cute. Both of them like to get pretty. And when it happens, it happens. And when I say it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, it's awful. And that's what happens. And you end up blowing a 21-3 lead in the AFC Championship at home to the Bengals, to the Bungles. To Joe Flippin' Burrow, a team that that had the number five overall draft pick in this previous draft, a team that drafted first overall in the draft before that, and that's how they got Joe Burrow, a team who was like, I don't know if Zach Taylor's the guy, but (laughs) it doesn't even matter if Zach Taylor's the guy because you got Joe Flippin' Burrow. You got Joe freaking cool. You got the guy who, I don't know, elevated coach (laughs) O. Who may not coach again at the high, at a high level? That's what you got there. You know, because Joe is who we he was who we thought he was. They had the big leader. He was just cool, and he came back. Once the league got big, I mean, he's playing with house money. He's playing with house money the whole playoffs. He he, he won a division. He got the Bengals to the playoffs. Who cares what he does? The, the organization is like, okay, yeah, we made it, you know. And Joe is like, nah, man, it's 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 nah. We ain't made it. <laughs> we ain't made it till till we hold hoisting that Lombardi. You know, but it's I can't talk about Joe without these. Bro. I got to get cool when I talk about Joe. You know what I'm saying? When I turn into Big Baby Burrow, man, I got to be on my. You know what I mean? But Joe has that it factor. And, and, and sometimes we talk about this it factor, and we put so much value on it. We talk about, oh, he has it. He is this. He's that. Well, is he? Does he really have that it factor? Like, oh, he's a winner. Like, oh, Baker Mayfield's a winner. Uh, maybe Baker Mayfield was on a really good teams. So that's why his team won. Maybe he helped his team win, but his team did not help him win. Or you know what I mean? Or maybe he was not the reason that his team won. He wasn't a reason that the team lost, but you know, he helped his team win. He played his role. And we're going to talk about quarterback wins a little bit later in the Jimmy Garoppolo, excuse me, the James Garoppolo conversation. But just because your team's winning and you're on it doesn't mean that you, that that is a product of you. I am willing to go out on a limb and say the reason that the Bengals are winning is because of Joe BB Burrow. Joe Triple B. (laughs) Because he has that it factor. And sometimes those traits outweigh the talent on the field because it empowers those around them to be their best more consistently. Because Joe believes in himself so much, I think his teammates believe in themselves just as much and even more than they would normally do. And Joe Burrow embodies culture and confidence. You know, culture and confidence are contagious. And, and I think that's what Joe Burrow is. You saw the LSU. One of the greatest college football teams ever led by Joe Burrow. Year one, it was like, eh, I don't know what's going on here. You're two, he's the guy, Look and look what happens. You know, Herb looks worse and worse uh, uh, day by day the more Joe Burrow succeeds. It's like, you I mean Haskins? I mean, I know why he did it, recruiting politics, but hey, <laughs> are the politics more important than winning a championship? Maybe for Herb, because, you know, it's freaking Herb. You're fired. You're fired. Yeah, that's 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 herbs. That's herbs thing music, but it, it matters. And Joe Burrow really shows you how important quarterback is, because we talk about quarterback as being the most important position in football. At, at no time has quarterback been more important than it is now. And look what Joe's doing. He's led the Bengals to the Super Bowl. He won the first road playoff game in Bengals history and if you look at how he won the game you know they they didn't look great early they he he and chase couldn't connect but hey higgins was cooking he hit tyler boyd on some key on some key third downs i mean, I mean chase still got him a touchdown you know and then joe burrow had he escaped pressure he had those two great first down runs and then he get, he gets there he stretches the ball out and he's he does the slide, and he gets hit. He ain't even asking for a penalty. He just bounced back up, and he's like, you know what I mean? Like, he just had a certain cool about himself. Last week, we talked about the watch, excuse me, that Patrick Mahomes had on that measured his heart rate. And it said his heart rate was at its highest when he was off the field. I wonder what his heart rate was like on the field this week. I wonder what 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 Joe Burrow's heart rate was while he was willing and dealing. I mean, come on, man. It, it's it's crazy, but the reason why I think Joe Burrow is so good in this situation, right? Joe Flipping Burrow is because of what he's had to overcome. He went to Ohio State and he didn't win the job. He's from Ohio. He was a three star, and guess what? I'm pretty sure he was sitting in practice. Watching what he was doing, watching what Haskins is doing, it's like, I'm better than this freaking guy. Why am I not getting a play? Don't get me wrong. Haskins was great in college, but, I mean, it was a lot of yak, a lot of yards after the catch, it wasn't it. Haskins was doing great. He had a great receiving core. A bunch of NFL receivers playing against a bunch of college DBs. Then he goes down to LSU, and he struggles that first year. He's down there. He comes back the next year, and he's killing it. Then what happens? He gets drafted to the Bengals and people are like, oh, man, Joe, uh, you should you should d- demand that the Bengals trade you not play for them because they're a terribly ran franchise. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm good. He gets there. He shows some flashes. He's getting his ass kicked. I mean, he's getting sacked left and right. And he finally, you know. Tears his ACL. He comes back. Year two, we're like, is Joe Burrow gonna be okay. What's he gonna do? You know, uh, the 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 Browns—they're just coming off of a playoff, playoff uh season. The the the, the, the Ravens—is Lamar gonna take that step? Big Ben looks like it's his last season. But the Steelers were really good last year. Uh, what's gonna happen? Oh no, I'm just gonna win the division. Oh, I'm gonna be the first quarterback in league history to have the most sacks—be sacked 50 times—and lead my team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to get sacked nine times in the divisional round. Uh, Eleven times, if you want to throw in the other two, They didn't count because of penalties. He still got hit. And I'm still going to stare down the gun barrel. I'm going to make big plays. Chris Jones is going to have his hands on me. I'm going to say, get off me. And then I'm going to, you know, run 15 yards for a first down. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Why was he able to do that? Why is he so cool in this situation? Because... He's overcome adversity. He's overcome a lot of adversity. And the import, and the thing that we don't understand is that adversity builds character. Yes, the transfer portal benefited him. And I think some players are jumping in the transfer portal because they're afraid of competition. I don't think that's what it was for him. I think that he didn't have an opportunity to start. And what happens if he doesn't have the transfer portal? He may not make the league. We may not know who Joe Burrow is, right? Joe cool. But because of the adversity that he went through, it made him better for the actual situations that happen. I've not yet met a person in my life who was successful, who never went through adversity. We talk about these helicopter parents and how they want to make life perfect for their kids. Here's how you set your kids up for success. You don't make life perfect for them. You set up situations in which they struggle, and then you figure out who you are and what you're made of. <laughs> you got to trust the process. We talk about the the pearl, right? The pearl. To make the pearl, you get the piece of sand. It gets in the clam, and it just... And all these using that pressure, that pressure, that pressure that it goes through makes this beautiful jewel that we give to our women and we make it makes them happy. And, and in order to get this beautiful jewel that is Joe Burrow, he had to go through a lot to get here. He had to struggle. He had to overcome obstacles. And I think that's w- w- the problem that Patrick Mahomes has, has encountered during his professional career. He hasn't had bumps in the road. He got drafted ten overall, but he got drafted by a team that was a playoff team that moved up to get him. So, what happens when you move up to get Joe Bur- uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes? He's outfitted with a Tyreek Hill. He's outfitted with a um, Travis Kelsey. Uh, at that point in time, he had a Kareem Hunt, and then they end up getting a Clyde Edwards-Helaire. They had a, a Damian Harris, I believe his name was or Williams, but the other running back who was good. You know what I mean? You you have a respectable offensive line. His first two seasons there. You have an opportunistic defense with a honey badger and a Steve Spagnola calling it up and, and, and he didn't have to struggle. Year one playoffs. I mean, he's on the bench, but who cares? Playoffs. His first year MVP AFC championship. He's a D four size penalty away from going to a super bowl in his first year as a starter year two, not as great season, but MVP And Guess what? He wins a super bowl. Year three at the starter, it's just a, it's just like oh the Chiefs are gonna win it all, and guess what? They go to the Super Bowl, they get they get the doors bullet beat off of them. He gets paid, he's the five hundred million dollar man. Good for him, not hating him for that. But what career adversity has he hit? I mean, every year as a starter, he's been in the AFC championship. And we're calling him the GOAT. We're crowding him. We're saying nobody, I mean, he's the only person who might catch Tom Brady because look at what he's doing so early. Remember what Aaron Rodgers did early. And granted, Aaron hasn't been to as many Super Bowls. But we fell in love with Aaron early, and guess what? He only has one. Drew Brees only has one. Look how long it took Peyton to get his one, and then look how much longer it took him to get to number two. We, we can't take this good for granted, and we can't just project that because you're good this year, you're going to be good next year. You're going to be good the year after that, and you're going to keep showing up. We wanted to crown the, 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 the Mahomes versus Allen rivalry, the next Brady versus Manny. when well, neither one of them are in the Super Bowl because we got Joe Burrow in that Super Bowl. What if the new Brady versus Manning is the AFC North and is and his uh Burrow going against Lamar? You didn't think about that, huh? It could be the interdivision thing that Brady and Manning was supposed to have when the Colts moved from the AFC East, AFC East, uh, to the AFC uh, South. Yeah, <laughs> the interdivision matchup. Yeah, what about that one? Have we thought about that? No, we haven't because we are just so quick to crown them and and, and get back to Denny Green. Let's get back to Denny Green because they are who we thought they were. But what what did he say? Thanks, coach. They crowned their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. If you want to crown them, you can crown them. But guess what? Everybody with a crown and a king. And y'all been so quick to, to make Patrick Mahomes the king of the NFL. or oh, the Chiefs dynasty. Dynasty, where? They got one Super Bowl. Two Super Bowl appearances in four years. That's not a dynasty. <laughs> Let's stop it. If the Rams win the Super Bowl, what they're the same thing. In four years two Super Bowl appearances and one Super Bowl win. We're not calling them a dynasty. So, I, I I just think we need to we need to be careful. We need to be careful, but look, this this adversity that Patrick Mahomes is going through it's great for him. It's absolutely great for him because he, guess what? They're going to come back this offseason, and they're going to go back to the drawing board and see what they can do better. And he's going to look at his, his game management. Patrick is going to look at his game management. He's going to look at the throws that he missed, the bad decisions that he made, and they're going to come back better. And they're going to go on a run next year. And that's the beauty of football. But Chris Long was talking about what his dad, Howie Long, Hall of Fame defensive end, what the Raiders would talk about when he goes and talks to teams. Hey, man, don't take this for granted. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're going to be back. Dan Marino went to a Super Bowl early and never made it back. We thought he was going to win it. He never did. Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl early. We thought he was going to win another one. He hasn't been back. Russell Wilson went to two early. Guess what? He hasn't been back. My Falcons went from 28-3 in a Super Bowl to the next season, uh, in the playoffs to -to back-to-back top 10 picks. You can't take this stuff for granted. But they are who we thought they were. And let me tell you what, experience matters. We have to we can't undervalue what experience provides for us. The experience that 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 Joe Burrow had in in overcoming adversity, that matters. The experience that Patrick Mahomes is having, that's going to matter. The experience that Bill Belichick has as the best coach in the NFL, it matters. The experience that Andy Reid has to be able to call plays, to understand all the different Situations that he's been in, and to be able to to go back to oh, I remember in in um, in Philly we did this and it worked. Oh, I remember back when I was in Green Bay under Holmgren we did this and it worked. Yeah, going back to all of that stuff matters. Why do you think Kyle Shanahan and it then locks up with his dad in the way he runs his team? Because Mike's experience matters. And in that Rams 49ers game, we saw where the lack of experience as a head coach kind of showed up. Kyle and Sean did not have their best days calling the game, and it's okay. I think they're two of the brightest minds in the NFL. I think they are the future of the NFL. I truly do. But just because they're the future, it does not mean that they are cemented in the present and in order for them to be the future they have to go through these learning these 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 learning experiences where they are Uh, i listen i was listening to michael lombardi today and lombardi talked about the one thing that so many belichick assistants now don't get about what makes belichick great is what happened in cleveland they weren't there for that they didn't see what happened in cleveland and he took his lumps And him taking his lumps, then drafting Tom Brady, and then lucking into the Drew Bledsoe injury, and not to say that Drew, you know what I mean, like lucking into starting Brady, you know, it it prepared, it allowed him to become the GOAT coach. Yeah, you need those experiences. Coaches need the opportunity to learn on the job. Uh, You know, these, these, these play callers that become head coaches, we don't know if they're leaders of men until they get the opportunity to do it. And they need room to make mistakes and learn. That's why so often we see these coaches be better on the second go-round. But they are who we thought they were. And Kyle and Sean were who we thought they were. They got a little too cute. (laughs) Kyle couldn't keep a lead. Sean got a little tight in a big game, but somebody had to win. And what it boiled down to was quarterback play. There's a reason why the 49ers called about Aaron Rodgers. There's a reason why the 49ers drafted Trey Lance. There's a reason why the 49ers wanted to make a play for Matt Stafford. There's a reason why the Rams traded Jerry Goff and two first-round picks to get Matthew Stafford. There's a reason why all of this stuff happened. And the reason why is because in the biggest games, quarterback play matters. Sean McVay knew that if he was in the same situation with Jared Goff, oh, he's not even in the same situation with Jared Goff because Jared Goff doesn't dial up those two throws to Cooper Cup to win the game against Tampa Bay. He goes to overtime, and guess who went in overtime? Tom freaking Brady. You know what I mean? But Sean McVay knew that he needed a quarterback that he could count on to make throws down the stretch to win the game. And that is exactly what happened. Because just like we know with Jimmy Garoppolo, he is a product of his environment and he he's a trailer, not a, tra- he is a trailer, not a tractor. And guess what happened when we needed him to carry the team. He could not make one single throw in those last two drives to, to help them down the stretch. The running game was not there. And neither was Jimmy G. See, we, we talk about Dak and we beat up on Dak, but Jimmy G is like, uh, he, he's Laurel and Dak. He's great value Dak. He's Publix brand Dak. You, you understand what I'm saying? He is a, a Dak. If Dak is an iPhone, Jimmy G is a is a Android. understand? Jimmy G is an Android, right? Uh, pre, did I call him Jimmy G? Did I, I didn't call him Jimmy G. I, I, I got I to gotta correct myself. James Garoppolo is off-brand Dak Prescott, okay? He is carried by his run game. Wherever the run game goes, that's where James Garoppolo follows. James Garoppolo was carried by his, like, remember, remember the last Super Bowl he got to, he threw eight passes in that game. Run game carried him. Remember, he beat Aaron Rodgers just a week ago. Who carried him? The run game and his special teams. But James Garoppolo's not carrying anything but a Darren Clipboard moving forward. I'm joking. He's going to be a starting quarterback. But nonetheless, he's he's, he's going to carry L's. That's what he carries. And, and the only way that you can get those L's away from him is if you run the hell out of the ball, you play good defense, and you play good special teams. Back to all three phases of the game. If you don't have all three phases of the game aligned, Jimmy Garoppolo, James Garoppolo is nothing. He's a pretty face. But James Garoppolo is who we thought he was. He couldn't make plays down the stretch. He throws the ugly, bad pick. And, And I get it. That pick wasn't what decided the game because it was third and long. But why was it third and long? Because James Garoppolo had to pass the ball. OBJ is who he thought he was. Nine catches uh, on 11 targets for over 100 yards. Yeah, he's that guy. He's still that guy. Y'all wanted to bear him because of Baker. But guess what? Baker is who we thought he was too. <laughs> A bum. A hurt bum. And Yeah. Once you give OBJ a functional, a functional team, a, a functional quarterback, that's what you get. Because structure matters, man. And, and as I'm going to like bring both games together, right, structure freaking matters. Uh, the, the reason why we talk about let Russ cook, let's Ru- let Russ cook, let Russ cook. And Peter's like, no, I need you to play within these boundaries is because, Uh, You need structure. All of us need some form of structure to be our best selves. And and the lack of structure in Kansas City is the reason why uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, leaves a little bit on the table at times. The structure in in San Francisco shows you why James Garoppolo is going to fetch a second round pick and is going to get paid $30 million to quarterback another team next year. I, I don't know about what Burrow because I don't know what the Bengals structure is like. But, hey, the structure that was in Detroit versus the structure that is in Los Angeles is the reason why we have this made-for-Hollywood story that only could that could only have the superstars of L.A. You know, the superstars of L.A., they bring in o, o, Odell Beckham Jr., they bring in Matt Stafford, they bring in Von Miller, they bring in Jalen Ramsey. But don't get me wrong, they've drafted well throughout the years too. But they say, I don't need a first-round pick, I need a first-round player. So I give up my first-round pick for a true first-round player, and that's what they did, Matt Stafford. That's what they did, Jalen Ramsey. Give up a second for Von Miller, and guess what? He does what he does. He is who we thought he was. OBJ is who we we thought he was. Matt Stafford is who we thought he was. Come on now. Jalen Ramsey is who we thought he was. And unlike uh Denny Green, R.I.P. and those Cardinals, they didn't let him off the hook. They made the movie, and now we've got a Super Bowl in LA. Speaking of which, man, is Tom retiring or no? Um Schefter and Jeff Darlington. Jeff Darlington, somebody who's super plugged into Tom Brady, and Adam Schefter, who is the voice of the NFL. If Schefter says it, then you know. It's got to be true. They tweeted Tom Brady was retiring, but Tom Brady's camp immediately came out and said, no, no, no. Tom has not made a decision yet. And even Tom came out on his podcast today, the Let's Go podcast. He said that he hasn't made a decision yet. He's still going through the process. And um, I think it's interesting. Because I think Tom Brady's getting the benefit of the doubt for, oh, no, he would never put this out um, during the uh, during during the games. He, he would not want to uh, uh, upstage the football games. And I go, what? Y'all not remember his Super Bowl commercial? I think Nick Wright is the only person in the national media who remembers that he did this Super Bowl commercial where we don't know if he was leaving New England or if he was staying in New England, and he left. Right in the middle of the Super Bowl. So to think that Tom Brady doesn't want to hijack the headlines is absolutely nuts. That is insane. You are crazy to think that Tom Brady would never do that because he would. And he's done it before on the most important day in football with the most eyes. So why would he Why would he not hijack championship weekend? He's not playing. He wants to be there. So why would he not hijack it? Because I don't think Jeff Darlington, who is tied into Brady's camp, reports this unless he gets it from somebody who he trusts. Now, maybe he says, well, he's retiring. I don't mind burning the bridge because what do I need him for? Anyways, I'm going to go out and say this instead of letting Brady announce it himself. Maybe. I don't know where he gets it from because the team, I don't think the team would have announced it because the team said they, they weren't tracking that Brady was leaving. And then Brady, everybody in Brady's camp said, I don't know. A, 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 let's let's turn it into conspiracy theory here. You know what I mean? To be well, no, actually, let's conspiracy theory. Maybe Tom's camp leaks it so that we keep Tom in the national conversation because he he dominated the top of the week. But once we get closer to the games, we talk about the games, and, and, and the same way we accuse LeBron of always wanting to be in the headlines, leaking this, leaking that maybe Tom did the same thing. Maybe part of Tom's legacy is that he wants to always be a part of the conversation. He wants to stay in your mouth, pause, um, instead of just, you know, being conveniently talked about because he's playing football. He's at, he's in a Super Bowl. He's, he's in the net. He's in a conference championship game. Uh, Maybe Brady did a little bit of that. I I think we give the people we like too much of the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these things. Um, He's vain. He's into himself. And that's okay. I'm not mad at him for it. I I just think, you know, we shouldn't put anything past him. uh, 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 Just like we don't give, you know, him and A.B. on two opposite ends of the spectrum, right? we never give antonio brown the benefit of the doubt even though his history has shown that a lot of things he was right about whereas we always give Brady the benefit of the doubt but he is the same person who did not know his balls was deflated his balls were deflated and but then he also like uh, trashed the phone kind of like uh, his teammate did different circumstances but nonetheless he did he did trash the phone you know so i i, I think I think this got leaked so that Brady could be in the conversation and he could dominate uh, the headlines. And now we're talking about Brady on a Monday and we're not just talking about football. But I tell you, man, I'm tired of talking, uh, talking legacy. I think legacy sh- legacy should be reserved for those who are retired. Now, I think it's okay to think about legacy, and I think it's okay to like frame legacy maybe towards the end of careers. But all this talk of legacy drives me crazy. Like, well, what does this mean for Russell Wilson's legacy? What does this mean for Aaron Rodgers' legacy? Well, they're still active players, which means they're still building their legacy. So I don't know because you can't properly discuss a legacy until the till the career is over. Yeah, you can make your little cliff notes. But you could say that Peyton Manning's not a winner until he wins one. You know, you can say that that John Elway wasn't a winner. He couldn't win the big game until he goes out with back-to-back Super Bowls. You can start the career and say Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes is going to have the, the best quarterback career we've ever seen. And then somehow that guy who started before both of them and was winning uh, before both of them took a little bit of time off and then he's winning after them. Yeah, Tom freaking Brady. Yeah. Uh, so maybe the media we should stop discussing legacy because the legacy conversation just it's it's a while you're playing, while you're active, it's it's still open. It's not over. So why are we discussing it? And for the players who are making these legacy moves, maybe you should just play the game and win the games and put up the stats so that your legacy is what it, what it, what it needs to be. Because the way Russell Wilson is obsessed with his legacy, I'm going to tell you what your legacy is, Russell, that you're a cornball. That you are, the, you are the epitome of a sheep, excuse me, a lion in sheep's clothing. That you come off unassuming. That you come off as a team-first guy. And and I think you want your team to win, but you're me first. I'll go Hawks. I won't say a bad thing about my team. But I'm going to leak the teams that I want to play with. We're we're going to really get behind this let let Russ cook movement. We're going to apply pressure to Pete Carroll, John Schneider, and uh, the front office. We're going to get a coordinator fired, and then we're going to get a new coordinator, and then we're going to go, ah. About the offense even though you, you were hurt most of the season or not most of the season you were hurt throughout the season um okay you're gonna put out that you've been rehabbing 19 hours a day i call bullshit but what do i know you can't do anything without your r your, your russell wilson rw3 fucking logo you know okay I'm not mad at you for selling yourself, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to own that. You're going to sell yourself and sell yourself as a me guy and not a team guy. We we talk about Aaron Rodgers being a diva, but my God, if Aaron, if, if Aaron Rodgers is a, is a diva, what the hell is Russell Wilson? If Russell Wilson demands a trade, here's the team that he wants to go to, but he hasn't demanded a trade yet. Okay. You're not demanding a trade, but you're damn sure saying you want to leave. If I go tell my girlfriend, like, hey, man, look, if we break up here's, here, like, here's four girls I'm probably going to end up with. I'm pretty sure she's going to be like, I love, you, baby. I- I love you, baby. that means I got one foot out the door. So if Russell already has one foot out the door and he's and he's trying to search his options, he wants to get out of Seattle. He wants to go to a bigger market because that's what benefits his wife. I, I'm OK with that. I just want you to own it. And media, I want us to stop talking about legacy because legacies are built on the field. So let's talk about what's happening on the field. And then when it's over, you, you frame the legacy. Like, why are we talking? Like, Tom Brady, now's the time for Tom Brady to think about his legacy. Now's the time for us to really talk about Tom Brady's legacy because he's 44 years old, going on 45, and he may be retiring. But I don't want to hear about Patrick Mahomes' legacy. I don't want to hear about Russell Wilson's legacy. I don't want to hear about Kyler Murray's legacy. I don't want to hear about Joe Burrow's legacy. What does this mean for Joe Burrow's legacy? He's in year fucking two. Who gives a shit? And another thing I'm tired of talking about is quarterback wins. Quarterback wins without context is is dumb. It's just a dumb metric. Because if we're just... it, It speaks to... Caring about the result and not the process. And don't get me wrong. The NFL is a results-based business. But typically, your results are derived from the process in which you go through to achieve those results. Okay? Jimmy G has won a lot of games. and Jimmy G has helped Kyle Shanahan win more games than anybody else. But guess what? That team is built for an average quarterback to win a lot. And the problem is when Kyle when Kyle has a backup, He's not average. He's below average, so they don't win a lot. But James Garoppolo is average. So with James Garoppolo, they win a lot, but it's not because of James Garoppolo. That's not why they win. So if your quarterback wins, guy, and you're gonna you're gonna say Jimmy G is a winner. Well, when he loses, let's point the finger at him. We can't point the finger at the run game. We can't point the finger at Kyle's questionable play calling. We can't point our finger at the the DB dropping the pick. No, no, no. We're gonna point it at Jimmy Garoppolo because we're gonna point it at him at him when they win. But I think quarterback wins without context is a dumb metric because football. We talk about football being the ultimate team game until we want to heap praise on a quarterback. And do I think quarterbacks are a big part of winning? Absolutely. Have I watched quarterbacks win? Games will, games absolutely. Do I believe that Joe Burrow is a big reason why the Bengals are in the Super Bowl? Absolutely. But Joe Burrow wasn't doing this without Jamar Chase. Joe Burrow wasn't doing this without T Higgins playing at the level that he's playing at. Joe Burrow was not doing this without Tyler Boyd playing at the level that he was playing at, or Joe Mixon playing at the level that he was playing at, or the pass rush doing what they were doing. Okay, it takes it takes. All, all sides of the ball, all three sides of the ball to win. So quarterback wins is a dumb metric without context. Now, if you contextualize it properly, yeah, sure. Uh, did Lamar pull some games out of his ass just on, on Lamar? Absolutely. Has Patrick Mahomes pulled games out of his ass because he's Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely. Has Russell Wilson carried a franchise because he's just he is just that damn good? Absolutely. But guess what? Russell Wilson hasn't gone back to a Super Bowl. Has not won another Super Bowl because he's not been on a complete team since the Legion of Boom left. Am I lying? I know I'm not lying. So when we talk about when we talk about these quarterback wins, yes, quarterbacks are quarterback play is usually directly uh, responsible for winning. But you have to look at at the correlation. Like, what did the quarterback do? Who did they play against? Who, who's on his team? Who was injured? Who was healthy? Who's the coach? Who's the GM? There are a lot of different, a lot of different, you know, parts of football that feed into quarterbacks winning, and it's not just a quarterback marching out on the field and it's like, okay, we're gonna win. Because if that was the case, Tom Brady would have never left New England. He would have stayed there, and just because he's Tom Brady, they would have won games. But no, the supporting cast around him was not one that set him up for his best success. And guess what he did? He went down to Tampa Bay and he got him a ring. Speaking of New England, let's last topic of the day we're going to talk about Josh McDaniels uh, going to Oakland. It's reported that Josh McDaniels is going to be the head coach at Oakland. He's bringing along his own GM, and from Based on the way John Gruden was treated, um, based on the reports that um, Mr. Davis is going to allow Josh to run his football operation. And if Mark Davis is going to allow Josh McDaniels to run his football operation, I think that Josh McDaniels will succeed and he will be set up for it. He's going to be successful. Now, the first thing he's going to have to do is get the buy-in of the players because the players wanted Rich Versace to come back. I think that Mark Davis made the correct decision of not bringing him back. Uh, he's a special teams coach. Uh, maybe he's a great CEO. Maybe he allowed his coordinators to coordinate, and he was a good head coach. But he's interviewing down in Jacksonville, and he may have the opportunity to prove that. But I think coming off of the John Gruden thing, you get every taste of John Gruden out of that out of that um, facility, and you start fresh with somebody. And it's the Raiders just win, baby. We're trying to make a Hollywood splash. We're trying to make a big hire. Where do we go? Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is, is one of the best coordinators in the NFL, has been. Yes, he had his best years with Tom Brady, but so did Bill Belichick. Are we going to say that Bill Belichick can't coach because of uh, because of because um, he had Tom Brady? I, I think not. So here's what I think about Belichick's tree because bill belichick's tree catches a lot of hell for their lack of success despite bill belichick being the goat coach the reason why bill belichick is the goat coach because he gets to dictate the way the program is ran from top to bottom bob Kraft allows coach belichick to run his own program and bob Kraft rarely intervenes and when he does intervene Things get a little testy, right? And what happened? They had to check, trade Jimmy Garoppolo. And yes, in the short term, it was the best move. But then, when Tom finally did leave, who was there to fill the, to, to play quarterback? You got Hoyer, you, you you get Cam Newton, and 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 you got um, Stidham. And they struggled. Unfortunately, they were able to draft Mac Jones 15 overall in this past draft, and they're back in uh, as a playoff team. But guess what? Bill Belichick, he forecasted this, and if you allowed him to run his program the way he wanted to, uh, maybe you don't win that last Super Bowl. Uh, maybe Tom only leaves with five and not six, but you set yourself up to, to rebound much quicker with James Garoppolo. So... <laughs> let's let's just look at the tree. Romeo Cornell, it didn't work uh Eric Mangini didn't work. uh golly, what's his name? uh He went to college. He went to Notre Dame. He didn't work. Um, Bill O'Brien worked until they gave him too much power. uh Brian Flores was working, but he didn't get along with everybody. Joe Judge didn't work, but I mean, if we're being honest, was Joe Judge really a, a, a true NFL head coach? I I I can't even knock Belichick, the Belichick tree for Joe Judge because I mean he got hired early. He's crazy not to take the job. You know, like you you take that damn job, but really Matt Patricia. Yeah, he didn't work, but who's worked in Detroit? You know, I think we have to look at these jobs too. I mean, Mangini went to to the Jets. He he coached at the Browns. Uh, the, these are not top end franchises, you know. Uh, uh, Cronell, he went to the Browns, and I know he was an interim in uh, in Houston. You know, Billy O'B he worked though, and, and, and B Flow he was working. He just wasn't working in the way that the 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 Dolphins wanted him to work. And 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 here's what happens, right? And even Joe Judge, he only got two years, and he had Gettleman as a GM, and he had John Mara, who just had his finger on absolutely everything because the Mara's run the entire operation. And I don't think you can properly judge a coach. You can you can't properly judge a GM if they're not allowed to coach and GM. If 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 the owner is going to meddle and, and be the middleman between everything and not be the supreme the supreme leader, then what then what the hell do you expect to happen? So so. If McDaniels, if Mark Davis allows McDaniels to bring in his own people, because I think one another thing about the the Belichick way of coaching is it's so different. It, it, it's in your face. It's a I, I need you to know. More than what your job asks you to know from what I've read and what I've listened to. Right. Uh, it's understanding complementary football. Right. It's understanding all three phases of football. It's 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 inter, intertwining everything. A lot of times you can't teach people to coach like that. So when you think you're going to bring in a good coach, maybe he is a good coach, but if he's not a coach who's willing to adapt to the way that you're coaching, he's not going to be a good coach. And I think um, when you get these Belichick guys and they don't get to pick their GMs, uh, they they are, they are slaves uh, to the organization. And what happens is they may have a headstrong, they may have this in-your-face abrasive style that they're not allowed to actually fully implement because they don't have the full backing upstairs. And no, they don't have the pelts on the wall like Bill Belichick. The reason why Bill Belichick gets to do a lot of the stuff that he does is because he's been successful. But here's the thing. You don't know if that Bill Belichick disciple is going to be successful if you don't allow him to run his program the way that he wants to run it. If you don't allow him to to infuse his staff with the Belichick isms, right, and, and their versions of it, not them trying to be Bill, but taking what they've learned from Bill, if you don't allow them to do that, then it's not going to work. Ain't no such thing as halfway tr- crooks, you know what I mean? Well, what God said, if you if you if you lukewarm, He's going to spit you out His mouth, right? You can't be lukewarm on these things. You have to be all the way in. So you have to let. You have to let these coaches these the, pick their GMs and, and bring in the staff that they want, so they have people who understand the Belichick way, or they're bringing in young coaches who don't have who aren't set in their way so they can teach them to coach the way that they want to coach their team. And that's the, the that's the avenues for success for the Belichick tree, because I think it can work. I just think you have to allow it to work, and you can't be so you can't be so hubris as an owner, so hubris as a GM that you think it's your way or the highway. No, let that coach run his team, let that coach pick his players. Not all of them. No, you're the GM. You got it. You that's your job. But you and the coach need to be in lockstep. So y'all are. So you the, so that you are picking the type of players that that coach needs and wants and type of players that that coach can coach. Because we talk about the analytics, right? Oh, and we talk about the measurables. But film matters. What you put on film matters at the player. But also your personality matters. Some players can't take being coached hard. They need to go somewhere where they have a more friendly coach. And they'll succeed there. And the team will succeed with those types of players. And some players need hard boundaries. They need structure. Other players need to be left alone to do things their own way you know uh, you got to understand that there is a human aspect to all of this like we've talked about uh, earlier in this podcast because the analytics are the analytics but they're these are people and you know if you don't value the people in in the in the room if you don't value the people on the field then, then you have nothing man you have absolutely nothing But you know what? Josh McDaniels is a bright mind. I think he's going to be a great head coach for the Raiders. I think that that AFC West is going to be one of the most interesting divisions in the league. That with AFC North, it's going to be a great watch for the next few years, man. And I'm looking forward to to watching it, man. But look, they are who we thought they were. Over the course of a season, if you want to talk about these analytics right, people are going to be who they show you, who they shown you that they, that they've been, right? So just believe it, just believe it. And and, and when it comes full circle, you can't be disappointed by it.